for our sponsor, Dog Overboard Adamstown. The fun and healthy place for dogs. Pep Chat on your pet-friendly radio station, 2NURFM 103.7. Yeah, we've got our vet, Dr Bob, here. Dr Robert Stabler, good afternoon and welcome. How are you, Dave? Horse cognition today. That's it. Very technical. Animals are intelligent and we need to realise that. That's your topic. We'll talk more about that throughout this hour. And also Cheryl Shaw is here with us and Exercise H2O. That's right. We're going to be talking today about swimming with your dog. What a great idea and a couple of great topics. That's right. Are you there, Michael? Yeah, hi. How are you going? Good, thank you. I just want to share your story about your... Um, you've got a, a dog, Rory, a Border Collie Cross Kelpie, and yeah. um, just what you do. Most people actually go to the park to exercise their dog, but you do something different every week. What's your Saturday routine? Yeah, so um, on a Saturday morning, and probably for the last few months now, we've taken Rory over to um, a pool, and she does... Uh, get her exercise and good exercise swimming for probably only about 30 minutes or 40 minutes um, but it, it seems to tire out and, and she loves it so it's uh, something that we've we've started um, probably on the on the advice of a vet she suggested that because Rory's hips are a bit bit funny that, that uh, some hydrotherapy or some, some pool based exercise would be good for her um, so that's where it all started and uh, we love it now it's a great time to spend with the dog and, and she seems to really enjoy it as well Yes, and obviously when you do have some problems with your dog's hips or, you know, some other issues, swimming is good because it's non-weight bearing and obviously this can help, um, you know, sort of exercise the dog without any strenuous um, effort. So when you, when you introduced Rory to swimming, how did you go about that? Was it, was it natural? Did she just jump in or what, what happened? Yeah, no, it wasn't really. So um, we took her over to a pool at, at Adamstown um, and it's, it's a great little facility and it was, we kind of had to coax Rory into the pool the first few times we took her. Um, she was a little bit anxious standing on the side of the pool and, and would, would run around and, and yelp a little. Um, and we introduced her in, lifted her into the pool and, and made sure she could swim across and swim out. And then um, I would get in the pool with her and, and she'd be a little bit more comfortable and, and follow me up and down the pool a little bit. But then as time kind of went on, she seems to get more and more relaxed and now when we take her, she, she chases a ball and jumps in herself and, and really loves it and doesn't need too much encouragement to get in the pool at all. So it's definitely a process to get her comfortable with, with being relaxed in the water and, and swimming um, and something we had to put a little bit of time and effort into, but yeah, definitely, so, definitely paid off. Yeah, so with that, you'd, like what we're saying is you'd need a lot of patience in the beginning to get them comfortable with knowing that it's, um, you know, it's a fun thing rather than, than um, going to be a little bit scary. Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, it, initially it, it could be frustrating. It was a little bit frustrating. You know, we'd put her in and she'd swim straight to the side and, and, and want to jump out, and it was, you know, like I said, a bit of effort to, to get her comfortable with it. But, um, you know, we, we stuck with it for a few weeks, and, and as time went on, um, now we don't even need to get in the pool with her. We just stand on the side and or stand on the side and, and toss the ball in, and, and off she goes and loves it. Oh, that's really good. With um, Do you get to meet with other dogs and people there? Do, are there people doing the same thing as you with your dogs? Yeah, there are. So the good thing about the, the place at Adamstown is the, the dogs can go for a swim almost any time, you know, most days of the week. Um, we just find that, that Saturday mornings kind of fit our schedule and, and it's a good kind of hour or two that we get to spend good time with the dog and then she gets a bath and a blow dry and, and um, you know, she's all set for the, the rest of the weekend. Got a Saturday morning exercise in and, and uh, she, she seems to be much more happy and content. Yeah. There's often other dogs there that she can socialise with and um, we kind of find it that sometimes there's dogs that, that 
just jump in and she'll follow. And other times, the dogs are a little bit, a little bit more apprehensive, and and sometimes they can kind of copy another dog and follow them into the pool, which is interesting to watch as well. Yes, because that is true. Dogs do um, have copy behaviour, so they'll often, um, you know, follow another dog if they're not confident themselves. And um, as far as the the swimming, they say that a, a ten minute swim is equivalent to of about an hour of walking. So it certainly cuts down some of your time that you can spend with her and do other activities as well. Yeah, and it's it's really it's it's great. You know, we we kind of I'm in a fortunate position where I do have time to exercise her, and we still manage to to take her for walks and and some runs. But again, because of her, the hits, we we have to kind of reduce that down to to twenty or thirty minutes blocks of exercise. And for a working dog, we kind of found that um, with the limited exercise, she still had heaps of pent up energy at the end of the day. And and you know what a dog can be like; it's still got plenty of energy at the night time. So. Um, you know, on a, on a weekend, we, we tend to get over the pool and, like I said, let her swim for half an hour or 40 minutes, and that really, that really is great exercise for her, and she loves it, and something she kind of looks forward to every week now, I think. Oh, that's lovely. Well, I think swimming can really improve the quality of any dog's life, and they obviously benefit from um, both the exercise and that fun and bonding for the owner. So um, continue the good work with Rory, and I'm sure she'll uh, be a wonderful dog for you. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, Nina from Raymond Terrace. How are you? I'm good. How are you going? Not too bad. How can we help you? Oh, I've got a cat with a bit of a problem. What's she's, it doing? Uh, um, I've taken her to a vet. since she's got an immune deficiency, and I hadn't heard that it was quite common in cats. She's a rescue cat, and it's severe gum infections and dribbling and really stinks. Um, we've tried uh, seeing atopica. She's now on cortisone, and I was just wondering if uh, you guys had any other ideas for it. The difficulty with a rescue cat is you don't know where it's come from and the background. Yeah. How old is she? Uh, she's only 18 months old. And a youngster, okay. Yeah. So you can actually have some viral uh, problems that can predispose them to these sorts of conditions, um, FIV, FLV. There can be other things that may have been that her, her, her mother had one of those viruses that reduces her immune system, therefore reduces yep. the kitten's immune system. And it just makes them a little bit more susceptible to the things that are going around. If the mouth is the major problem, um, there are various things you can try, um, mouthwashes and um, special diets to try and clean them up. It is probably best to, to get full blood samples done to make sure if there's a particular um, deficiency in a particular yep. white cell and then if that's showing up then maybe a, a medicine specialist at the uni or at the referral centre in Broadmeadow um, to actually just yeah get it if it's not improving you need to get it checked more thoroughly otherwise it is going to be uh, an ongoing condition especially with such a young cat Exactly. The, the, you need to try and find out what's going on. Otherwise, it is going to reduce its lifespan. It's going to end up with multiple organ problems, kidney, liver, heart, that sort of thing. So very important yep. to, to check it out properly. And um, it may, you may be heading down the, the route of a specialist to help you in that situation. Certainly sounds like it. Well, thanks very much for your help anyway. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that, Nina. We're continuing to right. talk about cats today. Let's make our way to Charlestown where Craig's waiting patiently. Craig, how can I help you? Well, re we rescued a kitten from the RSPCA, which is six months old. We've had her about four months. I'm just wondering what age would you suggest I let her go outside through the daytime? Like, I, she, 
she's escaped a couple of times, so she goes a bit skittish, like wants to run off everywhere. I'm worried she's going to run off and not find a way home. In my opinion, it's best to keep cats inside. Doubles their lifespan. If they're outside, they get into fights, they get AIDS, leukaemia and other viruses. Uh, they're more prone to misadventure, to injuries, snakes, ticks, cars and that sort of thing. So the difficulty with keeping cats inside is that we have to provide appropriate litter trays, we have to provide scratching posts, elevated refuges. Yeah, I've got all that. I've in, got all that. Yeah. So you need to redirect it to, to things. The difficulty at the moment is we're coming into spring. There is cat tomcats out and about. They're trying to find all the females, bring them yeah. into season. So that means that extra uh, incentive to get out is there. So it's very important to keep her inside, especially at night if you can keep her confined. Oh, to the... She was never going to be outside at night time. Yeah. Never. I, no. I would bring her in. I just wanted no. to get outside a little bit through the day, you know? Yeah, they don't have to do that. They don't have to get out there providing we can provide appropriate things inside. So you can get amazing, you know, whole wall scratching posts that have little shelves and little um, uh, tunnels and all sorts of yeah, things. Yeah, we've, we've got all that. <laughs> so the more you need, the more you interact with her, the more you communicate, the more you play with her, the more relaxed you'll be. So... The other situation is some people live in an area where there's a lot of cats that wander along outside near a shopping centre or a pathway. That makes the inside cat a little bit more reactive. Try and stop her vision to that and reduce the aroma. You can try some mothballs or citrus peels in the garden to try and repel other cats. But, yeah, try and reduce her access to that visual or um, odour. Rodney's with us from Lambton. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. How can I help you, Rodney? Uh, I've got an Australian bulldog. He's a fairly big dog, about the size of Labrador, I suppose. But yep. he's got a really bad rash between his back legs, and he's always licking it, and uh, it's quite inflamed. We've taken him to the vet, and the vet gave us some medicated shampoo. Yep. Uh, I've used that a couple of times, but it's not helping. He's he's also got it under his neck. He's yep. got his, his skin's a bit rolly under his neck, so... Yep. Uh, um, yeah, it's just really inflamed and he's always licking at it and it's obviously causing a lot of stress. It, it is something that flares up at this time of year. Also after brain, you'll find that animals will get a bit more itchy. The imp most important thing, same as in people, is to reduce the contact um, allergy component. So if it is that it's underneath, try and reduce his contact with grass or when he's come in of an evening, just rinse down the, the chin and the belly just to reduce some of those grass allergens or dirt or cockroach or whatever it is. Because it's underneath, it's going to be more that contact with grass. If it's more on the base of the tail, more likely to be fleas. If it's all over, can be a food allergy or a general airborne allergy. Um, so shampoos help, but the other thing you can do is just ice cube, just an ice cube on the really red um, parts of the, of the skin reduces inflammation, keeps it cooler, then moisturiser to produce a partial barrier to the outside world and that moisturiser helps to make the skin more supple, strengthens it up. The more dry it is, the more it's likely to be reactive and the itchier it gets. Also, it may be good to go back to the vet because if it's not improving, you can actually get a bacterial infection there. You can use um, cortisone creams. Sometimes we have to go down the, the, the track of cortisone tablets. You can do allergy testing. We do have, actually have a veterinary specialist dermatologist that comes up uh, to the hunter 
I think every couple of weeks uh, to the uh, referral centre at Broadmeadow and she's excellent. Danny's just wonderful. She's very fast talker. She even talks faster than I do and she, if it's really a problem and a recurring chronic thing, she can usually put a finger on it and help to reduce that issue. But yeah, try and just do the basic things to keep it under control and the other important thing is the more they lick and, and scratch at it, the worse it gets. Same as us if we scratch a mosquito bite. So it's trying to interrupt that and redirect it to something else. So give him a toy or a bone or a, or a chew rope to chew on rather than licking it himself. The problem is when we tell them not to do it, they usually go behind the lounge and you hear the... <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, try and interrupt that if you can because it gets worse. They introduce bacteria from the mouth, the skin, skin back to the, to the mouth. So... I thought of moisturiser. Can you, you recommend any particular moisturiser or just skin? Just, just whatever one you've got at home that doesn't seem to make it worse. I actually uh, am allergic to some moisturisers, so I've got to be very careful. So I would imagine exactly the same thing as dogs. And you can actually get sensitive skin diets that help to reduce the allergen and just those things that might be tipping the balance of I'm itchy, I'm not itchy over the edge. So antihistamines and things can sometimes help as well. He spends a lot of time in the grass, and he, when he comes in, he usually lays on his back with his legs open, so he's That's it. And, yeah, so the ice cubes on there, hopefully he'll uh, enjoy that to reduce that inflammation. The problem is if you take all the grass out, put a different grass down, it's going to be, yeah, it's still going to be allergic. Um, so just keep a close watch on it. But I would suggest uh, another visit to the vet otherwise. In this sort of weather, a bit moist, a bit warm, it's going to flare up really badly very quickly. Pet we are back with the felines with Lynn from Central Coast. Hello, Lynn. Hi, how are you? Good, Lynn. How can I help you? Uh, just a question. I've had a, I've got a cat. Uh, t- uh, I've had it for two years. I've taken it over from a lady who had to go in a nursing home, and the cat is 15-year-old. Yeah. It's scratching the carpet all the time, and I've tried the scratching pole, I've tried catnip, and I, yeah, I just can't stop her from scratching into the carpet. Partly it's really good fun, partly it's territory marking. There are scent glands underneath the pads and the paws so that they're actually trying to say, I want this place to smell more like my place. So it's one way of marking territory. It can progress to uh, weeing or pooing, and they will also sometimes bunt and rub their head or shoulders against uh, vertical objects. And they're all ways of helping the place to feel familiar. So if you rub your hands, long, slow, gentle strokes, head to shoulder to rump to tail, and then rub that on the scratching post or rub it on a towel uh, or rub your hands on the towel and just rub that towel gently over her, she will feel a bit better. At 15 years of age, you're also going to have a dementia component. The brain is going to be a third the size, um, lost a third of its brain mass. So it means that the brain's not thinking properly. So any rescue type situation flips them way over the edge. Same as if old people go to hospital. It means that they just, their routines, their house, the whole thing is out of balance. It takes them a significant time to actually recover and to acclimatise to that change. So very gentle, give her plenty of time, give her a particular carpet, um, and, yeah, uh, the other thing in older animals is multiple feeds a day. Cats love to graze, so give them 
uh, just tiny little bits of food and just put that in on an elevated refuge, on a shelf, on a towel, in a cardboard box. And, okay. and that will help them to look around, spend more time finding and eating food. And just there, the gentle stroking to help them to feel more relaxed might help her to feel a little bit more at home. There is also a feel-away spray, which is a synthetic analogue of some of the pheromones produced by cats that help them to be a bit more settled and calm. Mm, she seems quite settled, but it's just, uh, yeah, there's just this scratching in the carpet. I do have another cat, but that's an outdoor cat, and, but it comes in a lot. So yeah, maybe so that's, that, yeah. Would, that would be the source of the, the yeah, uncertainty. Probably. Yeah, because yeah. it brings in outside aromas and... And and older animals, I guess, same as me, you know, introducing to new people, fed income, you know, do we have to do that? <laughs> so it's, <laughs> we get set in our ways as we get yeah, older. Yeah, exactly. So just try the basic gentle and calming okay. things and see if she settles down for you. Okay, thank you very much for your help. Thank you. Thank you. And Bye. we've got Marion joining us now from Singleton. Marion, how can I help you? Um, hi, I was just wondering if you know how I can help um, my cat has an itch that seems to be bothering him a lot and yeah, just wondered whether it, would it have anything to do with the type of grass we have? It can do. Um, itching in cats is a little bit different. can be fleas um, but they tend to self-groom and remove those um, and the other thing, there can be a food allergy is a little bit more common in cats, uh, but it can be stress-related, same as in people. Anxiety is highly linked to dermatitis. So in animals, the more stressed they are, and it might be hard to find out why they're stressed because they lie around for 23 out of 24 hours, but um, if there are other roaming cats around, that can flare up. Uh, sometimes it can be particular carpets or grasses. Even cockroaches and dust mites can sort of flare up allergies. So... Again, a sensitive skin diet is available in cats, but it would be get best to get down to your local vet so you can uh, have the skin checked to make sure there's no mites or fleas uh, on the skin so that you haven't got any other outside sources of, of inflammation or irritation that making it worse. Is there any other cats in the house or dogs? No, no the, only, the only animal we've got. Yeah, only so again, it's just a, a, a matter of um, the more we are giving them things to do, so environmental enrichment, hide a bit of food in various cardboard boxes around the house, long, slow grooming, the more we deep breathe and are calm, the more we calm the animal with the stroking. It helps to settle our blood pressure and heart rate as well as helping the animal to feel a little bit more settled, so therefore reducing that potential to be a little bit irritable and more likely to itch. But, yeah, probably best to get down to the vet just to make sure there's no underlying hormonal or chemical imbalances that might be contributing to that um, uh, itching situation in your cat. 49216216 is the number if you'd like to talk to our vet, Dr Robert Stabler. Cheryl Shaw is here, and we're talking today about horse cognition. It's just amazing how much things horses know. They really do pick up on what the rider is like or the handler. Uh, there's some studies done that show that when the horse is... They can actually see whether you've got an angry face on or a happy face. If it's an angry face, they tend to focus on you with their left eye because that's using the right side of the brain, more emotional, and they're able to interpret that sort of thing. And they will just, yeah, be much more of, uh, aware and avoid that person who is behaving in a more angry or negative way towards them. So when you are handling any sort of animal, it's far better to watch and observe. And if you watch people that have a really amazing ability with animals, it's what you see all the time. They're communicating with the animal before they're 20 feet away. 
they're talking to her, they're being appropriate in their body language. In stockmanship, we talk about calm, gentle, uh, appropriate stockmanship, not being violent, not using stock whips, not having the dogs running the, the, the paddock or the yard so that it increases the arousal of the animals. The more calm we are, the gentle sort of voice, still firm. Um, but, yeah, horses are just so amazing. They're incredible. Um, my brother had bowel cancer, uh, has been had surgery a couple of times, and the second time he had to have a piece of his spine shaved away. And so we had to have a, a, a bag and things like that. But when he was going back and forth from Mackay to Brisbane um, and he was having chemotherapy, when he would come back to the horses, they would be very gentle with him for the first few days after he'd had chemotherapy because he was feeling very, you know, dull and weak and not very good. So he'd go down and, and muck out the stables and feed them and stuff and they would just nuzzle him and, and be very gentle. Whereas as those days went on, as he got a bit stronger, they would actually start being cheekier. And so every horse has a different personality. And so, you know, he'd sort of, yeah, they'd nudge or they'd, you know, give him a bit of a, a push with their shoulder and, you know, he'd tell them don't do that or whatever. And so it was, you could see that they're actually aware of what he was going through. We think that's through sense of smell, as well as I just said, their ability to read our facial expressions. Uh, the sense of smell picks up on what sort of emotions, what things we're going through. As I say to my um, clients all the time, it's, yeah, your dog knows when you're going to work. It knows when you're going out uh, for, to meet family or whatever. It actually, yeah, senses those sorts of things. And so the more we're able to actually communicate back to them and make that two-way communication the far better we are able to interpret and to work with those animals. So with horses, you know, it's a long way up when you're sitting up there. So how do you think I could communicate to... Do you think you could win this race? <laughs> you got it in here today. Can you win this? That, are you better than these other horses? That sort of communication is, yeah, going to another level, which oh. I think you're probably ex just stretching the argument a bit too far there, Dave. But, um, yeah, it's when you see some jockeys, they are just angry all the time. So others just really gentle and the horse... They can get on whatever horse they're going to get onto, mm. and there's a rapport immediately. Other ones, you can see that the horse is not happy about where they're sitting, or the way they're sitting, or the way they're riding, and that's what um, yeah the the uh, stewards are there to watch for. You know, not only what's happening between the jockeys, but between the horses and all that sort of thing. So the more we are aware and in touch with our animals, the more we can learn from them and communicate with them. We've got your calls on 49216216. Jocelyn with us now from Redhead. Good afternoon. Oh, hello. Hello, Jocelyn. How can I help you? I have a friend who has to spray some nutgrass in her old swimming pool that's filled in with dirt now. Yep. And the nutgrass has come up through. Now, she has a West Highland. Yep. And um, we're just wondering what we can spray it with. I don't know whether you'd know that or not. But um, with spraying the grass, is it safe for him to go on the grass where the grass has been sprayed? Usually people say that it's best to wait for 24 hours, sometimes a bit longer after they're sprayed because once the spray is on the grass, it absorbs in overnight with moisture, then um, there's less out on the outside of the grass, so it's less likely to cause irritation. Westies are very susceptible to skin issues as well. Yes, so maybe, for, maybe 48... Really good. He, he hasn't 
Jackson had uh, Jack number one. He had lots of skin problems, but this guy's he's pretty good. That's yeah. good. So yeah. I, I would yeah tend to give him forty eight hours rather than twenty four. But most of those things are pretty safe. They're more directed toward plants rather than animals, so it should be okay. Just yeah, give him twenty four hours. Thank you, Jocelyn, for your call, and thanks to all our calls today. Before we go any further, our pet rescue animal of the week, please. Yes, we've got Hugo. He's a three year old bull Arab cross mastiff he's a gentle giant and he really loves to to snuggle he's currently with a foster home who has a two-year-old boy and he loves smooching and cuddling with the little boy um he's learning some basic commands he's learned how to play and he loves fetching ball hugo likes to go on daily walks and relax with his family at night time he really is a sweetheart have a look on the website he's a nice dog and if you're looking for a dog fees do apply and um yeah hugo's pretty special all right, there he is, our Dog Rescue Animal of the Week. You can visit him and have a look too, and urfm.com is the website. You'll see all the pictures of him there and all the full details. They were just uh, given to us there by Cheryl. Now, Cheryl, any dog shows on this weekend that you know of? Oh, you've got me now, Dave. I didn't check before I came. I'm glad to know that you're on your job there. Thank yes. you for that. Uh, <laughs> we'll take that as maybe not. Have a look on the website and you'll, f- you'll be yep. able to find out. Okay, uh, just uh, before we go, because we've only got a limited amount of time, any last thoughts about the horse cognition? I will... Um, give you the, the website address for that article I was just using then, Animal Cognition about horses and how they really do understand communication and really the more we do it with them, the more they are able to yeah, work with us. Sounds great. Thank you so much for today. Have a great day, Dr. Dave. Bob here, also Cheryl Shaw. That Thank is you. our pet chat. Back again next Wednesday from midday at 2 in URFM.